Welcome everybody to the Final Lap Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Pearson, and alongside me is my ever faithful co-host, Sean Gray. Good evening, folks. How are you doing? They can't answer you back, Sean. <laughs> it's, it's a recorded podcast. They're not really there. <laughs> Still, it's nice. Nice to be polite. Fair enough. You were brought up right. Man, That's the important nothing. thing. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my mother. Dear, oh dear. Uh, so, we are chasing down the end of the season with one race to go uh, in Brazil. And, well, I guess we should probably try and review the... Un- is it the United States? It is the United States Grand Prix, isn't it? That's what they call yeah, it. Yeah, the USGP and Austin, Texas. Austin. You sound like uh, Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I'm in Austin, Texas. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, victory number, how many are on? I'm losing count now. Eight? Eight, eight, eight in a row. For Herr Vettel. Yeah. I think that sound there is, uh, sums up sums up the, the Grand Prix quite succinctly it wasn't it wasn't the best it wasn't the most entertaining there wasn't the most uh, uh wasn't the most action-packed that that was. <laughs> it wasn't the most anything really that was the uh shame, that was the problem i had high hopes going in because it's pretty good racetrack like technically designed wise well last year was really really good there was plenty of overtaking um and yeah like you say the track's a good track it's uh around there I mean there was a bit of overtaking going into turn one but like there's only so ex- there's only so much excitement you can get when Martin Brundle is oh and he's gone through for 11th place <laughs> and, and that was it you know like there was a little bit of overtaking down the field but when the top five or six it was just it was just pretty pretty blah I can tell you the moment that GP died for me um and basically, it was the moment that Weber had crossed the line. Vettel was doing his qualifying lap, and halfway through his lap, he was seven tenths down. Weber was. No, Vettel was. And then he still manages to cross the line a tenth ahead of Weber. That's just... just as the whole entire Formula One paddock, bar a few, you know, but by the minority, were all cheering and screaming and hoping for the love of God, that somebody else was going to end up at the front of the grid. No. <laughs> I didn't catch That's qualifying, the... so I didn't realise that was the case. It was it was awful. Weber looked like he'd absolutely squashed him. Absolutely pulled everything out of the bag. And in one sector, he pulled back more than half a second. That's just... ridiculous when you consider that they're driving the same car, allegedly. But, uh, Vettel, yeah, as we said, eighth, eighth win in a row. Great, fantastic achievement, and I believe that now is that equals the most wins in a row. No, he breaks the record for most wins in a row in a single year, is that right? In one season, yeah. Um, so, if he wins the next one, he equals Ascari's record for consecutive wins. Not necessarily in a season. Not necessarily in a season. And I believe if he wins the last Grand Prix, he also equals Michael's record for most victories in a season, I think. 
I think that's. I think you're right, isn't it? It's 13, isn't it? 2004, Michael had the the, tour, uh, the championship rolled up by uh, Ma- Mangi Kora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think he equals that record if he if he wins on Sunday. I think you you know that that it was a dull race, and even Martin Brundle admits in one of his Sky articles that Vettel winning all the time is dull because he's never once admitted that and under any circumstances he's never gone oh well there's racing down the field and oh well you can't blame Sebastian for winning everything but I think finally even the F1 pundits are starting to go Jesus Christ if I have to, I can't get excited about Vettel crossing the line first anymore it's just it's just not interesting and the most interesting that happened was on the first lap when Adrian Sutil ploughed it into the barrier. That was the most interesting thing. He brought out the safety car right away. And I thought, oh, it could be, could be on for a good wee race here. It could be a bit interesting. And it just was all downhill from there. What was he, two and a half, Vettel two and a half seconds ahead of Grosjean by the end of the first lap? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Just, but that's been the case in Singapore. Like he's, he's he's opening two or three laps, he's five seconds ahead every time, and that's it. He <laughs> came over, you know. That's the problem. See, I could take where uh, Vettel winning every Grand Prix of five five seconds behind uh, at the end of the race was Alonso or Lewis, and he'd been fighting with him all the way, and he's just managed to steal it at the end. But it's all over by after literally literally five laps he's got a 10 second lead and that's it he can just control the pace yep it's just it's really grating but at least at least at least there's only one more race is that is that where we're going well, right. i mean at least there's a regulation change next year my dad keeps texting me my, my dad's a big formula one fan and every single week he texts me saying vettel wins again boring <laughs> you know like I get exactly the same thing in the office when I go in and like the, the people I know in my office who know about F1 and watch it occasionally or watch it all the time and it's just like, and they go, so what did you think of the Grand Prix? And then there's just that five seconds of silence where everybody just goes, I can't really remember anything because yeah. it was just fucking dull. That's a drop. Um, the only thing that really stuck in my mind um, across that whole Grand Prix really was um, the performance of Valtteri Bottas. Yes, 8th place, and in doing so, I believe he tripled Williams' <laughs> for the season. <laughs> Mental. The best thing about that, as well, is that he has now scored double the points of Pastor Maldonado, the so-called <laughs> lead driver at Williams. Just, oh, yeah. I was really pleased for Valtteri. And, uh, yeah, they're talking about him as if he's got some real raw pace and talent, so... It looks as he's going to get to stay on next year, so hopefully, hopefully that's he's, he said he's one year sort of rookie learning curve, and I'd love to see him kick on next year. I've got I've always had a soft spot. I think most people would agree. Finish the, for the Finnish drivers, <laughs> Kovalainen, Kimi, Mika. Mika, even Mika, less so Mika. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible, man. That's terrible. <laughs> just just because he drove in the best car, that's just. Uh... <laughs> I liked him in 2001 when he kept losing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, Bottas finished eighth, and another great uh, result for. And I've been saying this every week for the last six or seven races, and I'm pleased to be saying it. Roman Grosjean, another podium behind it. He's been best of the rest consistently for the last 
Oh yeah, he's punch. about very, the last five races. He's he's single-handedly outscored just about everybody. Very very impressed with with Grosjean, and as as someone who's going to have to lead the team for Lotus next season, probably that's uh, that's very good things to come for for them. He's he's he's, he's driving's a lot more mature, a lot more sensible, and just a lot more accomplished. He looks a much more complete driver. You think when, before when Grosjean would get into second place, you'd be waiting for him to to screw it up, but now <laughs> now he, he gets into second place off the line, and you expect him to finish on the podium. You think, oh, Grosjean's in second, yeah, he'll he'll stay there. That's good stuff. So it'd be uh, interesting if. Uh, sorry, mate. Um, that's, that's all I'm saying. I'm pleased for him because I like I quite like the guy. It would be really interesting, I think, um, to see next season if there is a bit of a reset on the grid and he's got a car that's capable of chasing down um, the leaders it would be interesting to see him in a mix because at the moment he's just like you say he's best behind Vettel yeah, and, and getting I, into a position I, where in, in almost in almost the same way that Vettel does he's able to be second and go well I'm not I'm not racing Sebastian this is just fucking pointless so I'll do my race and make sure I get second. Yeah, he's 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 sufficiently behind Vettel that he can't possibly hope to catch him in that in the Lotus, but quicker than Hamilton and Fernando, enough that he doesn't really need to be challenged for second. He's found himself in that niche little hole, so that despite him performing great every week and we're giving him the plaudits that he deserves, he hasn't really been tested in wheel to wheel combat, so to speak. So yeah, you're right, if if he's We'll see. How, it'll be interesting to see next year if he, if he's if the car can really compete wheel to wheel at the front. It'd be great if the if it's really even between the likes of Vettel and the rest, and and kind of like we had at the start of last season with different winners every every week. And I'd love to see Grosjean get a, get a victory. I just want to pop back to um, Mr. Bottas for a second. Just because I read a, a fairly interesting article um, that was based on whether it was talking about Perez and um, how McLaren's rushed decision to get him into the team had come back to bite them in bits and pieces, um, and it was mooted that um, Bottas had been checked out by McLaren for his availability. Really, for this season? For instead of for, Perez, for, apparently, yeah. For uh, for. 2014, sorry, for coming up. No, no, uh, the, this past season. Well, this past season. He would have had Perez's seat if he'd been available. That's that's a mental one, given that you had no experience. Eh? <laughs> so, well, that must show you how highly Bottas is rated by a lot of the paddock, then, if McLaren were considering putting him straight in. I think it's one of those things, isn't it? I think people trust Frank Williams's assessment of a driver. Do you know what I mean? I think if Frank yeah. Williams says this guy's going to be good, people would probably take more notice than if Eric Boulier said Roman yeah. Grosjean is the future. <laughs> and why has Pastor Maldonado been driving a Williams for the last three seasons? No, oh, because because he keeps the team afloat. That's the. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting if that is true, and uh, maybe one to watch even more so than already going into next season. Then, but especially if Williams give him a car capable of getting points. Yeah, it's Williams are going back to the uh, well, not going back to, but they're going to Mercedes power. That can only be a good thing for them. I think that works as well because um, 
you know that they're they're kind of an old school team, and I think uh, not that the Aero, you know, years have passed them by because they've had some amazing Aero guys working for them, um, but I think I wonder if the team will be happier with something that gives them more raw grunt to work with. Maybe something that's just a bit. Yeah. Well, what have they got currently? Is it the Renault? Um. Do you I'm, not sure. I'm I am not sure myself actually. Um it's the Renault, because I'm sure they were talking about going back to the glory days when they had the Renault engines in the nineties and they were looking forward to that and then it just sort of didn't work out as well as they talked, but to be honest I could be wrong, like it might not be Renault. <laughs> they haven't got Cosworths in there, have they? Not anymore, but that's been the biggest problem for Williams in the last ten years is they always seem to accidentally end up running Cosworth then. <laughs> It's just absolutely no use to anybody. Let's see if I can quickly find out. I'm trying to figure out. I'm on their Planet F1 page, but you'd think it would say. Either way. Oh, yeah. Mercedes Apparently, yeah, Renault engines 2012 to 2013. I thought so. But, yeah. That's quite, uh, that's quite amazing, then, that they're not actually doing that much better, given that they're in the the engine that appears to be, you know driving two of the other teams right towards the front of the grid. Maybe the Renault engine isn't, well, I suppose it's in the Lotus as well. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Anyway. Speaking so, of Williams, uh, and I suppose a bit of cover Pastor Maldonado's tantrum that he had throughout this weekend. Oh, it was, it was brilliant. I've never seen a driver manage to completely sabotage any good feeling that I think the F1 community had for him in less than 10 seconds and I, and I really so. loved his in the interview where he said um, it's clear what's going on and then Natalie Pinkham said so what is going on and he said I don't know it's like <laughs> well is it fucking clear or not you retard yeah, here's the quote here I think in my car somebody is playing with the pressures and the temperatures you need to ask the team the guys that are working on the car what a what a douchebag. I believe he then retracted the statement the next day. <laughs> I think. Well, he was... But, I don't think he, he... He kind of sort of said, well... I, I, you know, I don't think the... T it was something along the lines of that he didn't think that the team were doing it deliberately, but that something had been changed on this car, and that's why it was so poor. Meh. To be fair, yeah, I don't think bad. anybody in F1 would actually blame Williams for making Maldonado look like a twat in the last two races of his career with Williams having told the entire world that he'd wanted out since Singapore this year. As, as I mentioned last week, uh, before I just didn't care about him, but now I actively want him gone from F1 just to get rid of his stupid face. He's, um, but he apparently has said this week that he's just waiting on confirmation to join Lotus, which fills me with dread, to be honest. How, do you know what? I want to know, how does Pastanada Mount... Uh, how does Pastor Maldonado feel about the fact that Lotus won't sign him because he's the best driver? How, how does it exactly because yeah. of his money? So how do you sit there and just go, well, I'm just waiting for confirmation? And what you're actually waiting for confirmation is, can Lotus afford to get a dri the driver that they want as opposed yeah. to the driver they need to finance the team? It's just ridiculous. It's just so it's a, a sad state of affairs to be in to be honest that a team like Lotus who are there in the championship 
need to play games like this. And apparently, Madonna brings something like 13 million euros worth of sponsorship. Who is sponsoring that nutter? I know. To such an extent. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. Somebody has far too much money somewhere in South America. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Who's got that much money that they think that that is a good use of capital? Who is PDVSA or, or is it PD? I don't even. I, it is that, but I don't know what that is. Is it oil? It's got to be. Always fucking hell. Um, I, I genuinely don't know what they are, but they need to stop what they're doing. <laughs> it's the Venezuelan. Venezuelan state-owned oil and natural gas company. So it's the Venezuelan government are funding Pastor Maldonado's Formula One career. If I was a Venezuela citizen, I would be mad. <laughs> if that's where my taxpayers' money's going. I'm surprised Hopefully. Brazil haven't invaded to say, well, fuck it, you took the seat away from Felipe Massa, you bastards. Right. <laughs> You're sponsoring I mean, Felipe now. What, what are they hoping to get out of it? Are they hoping for a Venezuelan Grand Prix? Because... That, sounds, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, but just still while we're on Lotus here, Bottas uh, put their points up to five. How many does he get for eight? Is it two, three? Well, they had one, and he did he triple their points, so I think he gets three, isn't it, for eight? The standings say that he's got five. I thought they were only on, I thought they were only yeah. on four as well, but I don't well, he know. can't win because Maldonado scored one point, wasn't it? Because they wanted... Everybody... Bottas. It says here Bottas got four. Do you get four for eighth place? Huh. I'm doing a no, lot of no, googling on this show today. I thought you got three for eighth place, but you know that's probably something we should know. Anyway, point is, he's outscoring Maldonado. I, I, I'd love to use the adjective considerably. I could easily dress it up. Say he's outscoring them by four times as much, but it's only, it's only three points in it. Yeah, eighth is four points, sorry. Okay. 25, 18, 15, 12, 10, 8, 6, 4, 2, 1. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, Williams have gone up to 5th place, which is still, uh, 5 points, sorry, ninth place in the championship. Still nowhere near Toro Rosso, and quite frankly, nowhere near where they should be. But, given the season they've had, a good way to end 2013 with Bottas. Yeah. Other other person who's having a good end to 2013, in my opinion, is uh, Mr. Sergio Perez, who's looking <laughs> for a drive. Another good, solid performance in in the the questionable McLaren again, outscoring Button, coming seventh, whereas Button was tenth. So, for a man who's looking for a job, he isn't doing he isn't doing himself any harm, Perez. No. And it, it's funny to hear that Martin Whitmarsh is phoning the likes of Force India and um, pleading his case for and, and Sauber and saying, "Yeah, you know this driver we've just fired. He's really fucking good. Honestly, you should take him. <laughs> he's not good enough for us, but I'm sure he's good enough for you." And uh, I'm, I'm wondering why it's <laughs> why it's not working. I said last week that I would have thought I thought Perez deserved to stay, and this weekend another solid drive. He, I mean, let's be honest, that McLaren isn't really going to be much quicker than 7th or 8th, so he's... He's, he's getting, getting into where it's going, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, he's getting the best out of the car. Admittedly, he started slowly, but he's a young kid. He's only like 21, come from South America over to Europe to drive an F1. I know he's had a couple of seasons at Sauber, but move up to a McLaren's a big, 
that's a big jump and it's going to take time to settle in and yeah I feel uh, now he is settling in and I just I feel like McLaren were just a little bit hasty with a with a shovel I think the diff the difficulty was um, and again it, it was a really good article on Sky I have to say they don't not always that that much impressed by the non Martin Brundle articles on Sky F1 on the on the website but this one was actually really quite insightful and they were saying that um, actually um, the whole Lewis situation is the cause of what, about why Perez was brought in so quickly and that actually Lewis wasn't going to leave McLaren um, he'd stated internally to Martin Whitwash that he had no problem with staying but that Ron Dennis had done something had made some background moves that had gotten up his nose and that's why he suddenly left and so mm. McLaren actually hadn't in, in place got in place a plan B so Lewis left and they were suddenly like oh well who the fuck are we going to get in and they went yeah. well who's been who's been doing the best in the last few races ah oh, Sergio Perez well we'll have him um, that's pretty much what happened right now looking back yeah and you know I, I think I agree with you that Sergio hasn't done a bad job at all well, then if that was the case is what you've just said then clearly he was never their guy in the way that Lewis obviously was coming through in the way that um, Button is these days and in the way that Jan Magnussen obviously yeah, that's a Jan Magnussen that's his daddy it's Kevin yeah. Magnussen <laughs> um, I keep on doing that as well Kevin Magnussen is obviously their guy you know he's, he's, he's they've brought him through their academy and he's their their, their big hope whereas Perez even if he had had a great season, he was never their their guy, and maybe it was always destined that it was going to be a short-term measure. I think that was the the problem was really that that Magnuson wasn't ready that season. Yeah, and I think we discussed it on the last podcast, and I, I I still kind of stick by it as a as a concept is that I think if Magnuson had been able to secure a, dr a drive at a Force India Sauber Williams anywhere else then Perez would still have a job yeah absolutely I agree with that but without being able to give Magnussen time somewhere in F1 to you know take the step up before they took him on they just they had to do it they didn't really have a choice which is unfortunate for poor Sergio but it's unfortunate timing of anything for Sergio because if he had been told maybe six weeks ago he might have had a chance at another drive now we we won't know. Yeah, um, and sadly, what that really means is that for two years running, McLaren have been scrambling to but, make yeah. a decision on their second drive, and they they haven't got these long term plans ahead. And that that doesn't sound like a you know a McLarany kind of thing. They're they're one of always have been had a reputation of being very organised. Who are you blaming for that? Well. It's difficult to look much beyond Martin Whitmarsh because you would assume that that would be something he Ultimately would... Ultimately fall on him, shouldn't it? You'd think, as a team principal. But, you know... You know who else is there, don't you? Well, that, <laughs> it, it's kind of... You wondered, has has Ron Dennis... Let's, you know, let's not be accusatory here. Let's say <laughs> that Ron Dennis has actually walked away and he's doing the, the car stuff. But it's just the fact that everybody in McLaren knows he still works for them and so the McLaren F1 teams and Martin Whitmarsh and stuff go to Ron and ask his advice on stuff 
So he's always around and putting his two pence in, but he's not running the team, so he's probably only throwing out options and bits and pieces. You know, and again, that that leads it back to Martin Whitmarsh. What he's got to make the decisions ultimately. Surely he must be making those decisions about who's going to drive his car for next year or the year after. The buck starts with him. It really, like at the end of the day, he's the team principal. It's like managers in football. If the team isn't performing, at the end of the day, he should be the one that gets gets the trouble for it. It'd be it would be interesting to see. McLaren kind of have to have a good season next season, I think. For... I was just going to say that. Do you think if their car's fourth or fifth best again this year, uh, next year, sorry, do you think they'll they'll sack uh, Whitmarsh? It'd be difficult, especially if Ross Braun is floating around the potential team principal market and wants in. I, I don't think McLaren are... McLaren have certainly never been shy about getting in people to make the team better, regardless of whether they've worked for a rival or not. You know, mm. so Especially in the, their drivers, they're quite happy to have whoever the best driver is, regardless if he's driven for Ferrari or, or whoever. Um, so... It'll be interesting because they've got Peter Podmoro, Pomodoro, whatever his name is, the the rebel second in command oh, yeah. aerodynamicist coming in from Red Bull. So that could be quite interesting. Uh, it will depend on whether they think that that guy can come in and do a job for them season one, or whether it's season two that everybody will be judged on, and that's what we've got to wait for. Well, that's it, because that's when the Honda deal's done, so Martin Wetmarsh might get a reprieve, even if they have a shocking campaign next year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's... They might say, okay, it's, it's a kind of... Uh, what's the word I'm sort of looking for? Stop-gap season until 2015, and I know this year has also been that. But, yeah... Um, I feel like Whitmarsh and Young Magnuson, if they don't Stop have... Stop saying Jan Magnuson! Oh, I said, that time I said <laughs> Young Magnuson. Oh, did you? I thought you said Jan. Sorry. Sorry, um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, if, um, if they don't have a, a great season next year with a rookie driver and uh, with Whitmarsh in charge, they might say, OK, well, we've had another stopgap year. Honda's coming in next year, so this is the year we need to perform. I suppose that's a very good point, actually, as well, isn't it? That that Honda isn't next year; it's the year after, and that's they they were very, you know, keen to stress that Honda were coming back to to McLaren. Um, the interesting thing about that, and I kind of like it, is that um, what's good for McLaren is that um, all their other rivals that. You know, with all their different other engine manufacturers, whilst they'll be doing stuff on the track, certainly and getting it, um, that's all out in the open. You'll be able to know and see, and you know they'll be flirting around trying to find out what the secrets of all the other engines are. Whereas Honda, we can, you know, will probably be doing as mu as much testing as they want. Yeah. Because that's all they've got to concentrate on is doing the engine for McLaren and whoever else decides to. Um, hop on and you know take a Honda engine so it could be that you know 2014 is a very good season that they have all the aerodynamic stuff coming to fruit at the same time as getting a super brand new amazing engine it could be we'll wait and see yeah I guess we will
<laughs> just a quick look at um, uh, the odds for next year's World Championship. Just to have a look to see what Kevin Magnussen was. I mean, hypothetically, McLaren could rock up with an absolute beast of a car, and uh, Magnussen could uh, could do a Lewis, so to speak, when he first joined and, and be be uh, defeating the more experienced teammate in Jensen Button. So this is a quick nose to see what odds he was to win the win the championship. And uh, well, he's forty to one, whereas Sebastian Vettel's your even money favourite naturally. But I just noticed something down the bottom that Sergei Sorokin, who is not got a confirmed seat for next year, doesn't even have a super license as far as I'm aware, mm-hmm. is still shorter odds to win the World Championship than John Eric Verne. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most perfect thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's poor Jeff. <laughs> Bless him. He's another Sebastian Bourdais, isn't he? Oh, well. Yeah, it's just never going to work out for Varen, I don't think. Although he is getting a drive next year, isn't he? He's been confirmed as... Oh, the... yeah, he's 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 there with um, Fiat. So, yeah. I'm going to stop calling Danny Fiat Danny Cinquecento, because that's... Every time I say it, I just think, Fiat Cinquecento. So, other little bits of uh, the top ten from the uh, United States, where the Vettel winning the race, obviously. Grosjean and Weber on the podium. Lewis Hamilton coming home in fourth, and he had a few, uh, not tantrums as such, but many, many little tiffs on the radio with his engineer during the race. But Russ Braun was quick to to say that that was all perfectly fine. He certainly, he, he came out in the press afterwards and said, um, you can't mistake hearing two radio calls at different times of the race as me being inconsistent in what I want. It's just that Sometimes somebody will be talking to you as you're diving at two, you know 200 kilometers an hour into a braking zone, and you don't want to have somebody whittering in your ear whilst you're trying to concentrate on spotting your braking zone and not fucking binning the car into a corner. Yeah. And then there's times when you come out of a pit stop when you have to know everything about the car. You have to know the temperature of the tires, the brakes, and all those things because it's completely critical. Because if if you you know if you go out thinking that they're one thing and they're the other, and you you know you push too hard. Again, you you bin the car, so you know he was trying to stress that it, he you know he wasn't having a go at you know wasn't being a hypocrite about what he was saying. It's just that he required different things at the race, and that he'd he'd gone and spoken to his you know his engineer after the race and said that he was sorry if he <laughs> if he sounded like he was doing that or blah blah blah, and that he really you know um, that he's got a good relationship with his engineer. So yeah, I agree completely with what Lewis is saying. He's right, you know, you don't. The race isn't the same lap one as it is on lap 50. Cars evolve, track evolves, fuel burns off, etc, etc. You, you, can't, you can't compare things like that. And to be honest, in this day and age with the radio channels and that, you hear it more often, but this, this, that kind of thing would be going on all the time. All the time. It's just we hear about it more often now because you have so many ways to access the team radio. Sure. Plus, it's a bit of a sort of hypocritical thing in the media, really, because everybody shit them shit their pants in delight when they heard Kimi Räikkönen say, "Leave me alone, I know what I'm doing." But mm-hmm. if Lewis Hamilton dares to say, "Leave me alone, I know what I'm doing," or "Give me some more information," you know, he's treated like some pariah. He's how dare he speak to his engineer like that? Yep. No, I agree. I agree completely. 
still fourth was a decent-ish weekend for Mercedes. But it he, he held off Alonso, didn't he, in the yeah, final bit? Yeah, it seems to be have... where they've been for the last few few weeks around that area. I think Lewis himself said that, they're quite content with that and just looking forward to next season now. He was said at some point, I think one of the, the journals said, are you pleased that you've gone up to third in the World Championship? And Lewis was just like, I don't care. <laughs> that means nothing to me, was his, his response. Which is good, I like that. You know, it's, it's all or nothing. It's win or bust for Lewis, and I like that about him. Absolutely. Somebody um, uh, else mentioned that uh, part of the other reason why Kimi Räikkönen decided not to race the last two races was so that he could end up coming at least four, fourth or less in the championship. Because that means yes, he doesn't have to go to the award show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brundle said that in commentary. Genius. So true. thing about Lewis as well is he's got a new helmet, which I liked. It was red. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. It was a bit of a weird one. It had Michael Jackson on it. Because it just pisses me off because him and Rosberg had quite a similar helmet all season. And it was, uh, you know, you got used to it and you could tell who was whose, but they were still both yellow. Yeah. Whereas I like this uh, that red one that he was racing in Austin. I felt it, it looks really nice with the the Mercedes livery. So it's a bit yeah. weird, though, isn't it? Like, why would you adorn your ha- your helmet with a picture of a dead paedophile? If he turns up, if he turns up in Brazil with a picture of Jimmy Savile on his helmet, then that's fine <laughs> because at least he's consistent. But true. <laughs> uh, yeah, as you said, Lewis held off Alonso for fifth. Uh, Alonso was in fifth. Who in turn managed to hold off Hulkenberg, another great race from Hulkenberg, sixth place. Dragging that Sauber second half of the season has been has been really, really solid. Seventh was Perez as we mentioned, eighth Bottas, as we also mentioned, ninth, uh, Nico Rosberg, not really a great weekend for him. I think he started down in like fourteenth because he messed up qualifying. And uh, 10th, Jensen getting outscored by Sergio. So that's the top 10 there. Um, Do you know something we haven't talked about? Or what? I should say a team we haven't talked about for a good four races, I would have said. Toro Rosso. They were, they were 11th and 12th just outside the points this weekend. But yeah, right. They just, they've been meandering a little bit ever since Ricardo sort of announced that he was going to Red Bull. They just haven't done much to noteworthy. No, and it's a bit weird, isn't it? Cause I think that's the problem with John Eric Verne. He just doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even historically... like He's not even awful. He's just forgettable. Yeah. He's not really good. No, I can... Yeah, I, that's a fairly fair assessment, I think. I mean, both drivers this weekend managed to come ahead of... Paul Resta, Heike Kovalainen, Felipe Massa, Pastor Maldonado. These are good, good, solid drivers and solid cars that they're finishing ahead of. Yet we just haven't really... I, I couldn't remember anything that they did during the race. <laughs> I must have... I, uh, speaking of Heike Kovalainen, I felt so sorry for him because he looked like he was going to, you know, score a decent handful of points and then pretty much everything broke on, <laughs> on his car all in one lap. Yeah. Shame, I really hope he gets a good result in, in Brazil. I don't think it matters. I don't think he'll uh I don't think he'll have a drive next year. And that's rather sad, isn't it? Because he, but... he stepped into a Lotus and done a really good job. You know, you kinda of think you know why isn't a team like Force India thinking about a Haiki Kovalainen? If they can afford to pay Adrian Suttle, 
surely they could pay Heike Kovalainen, and I think I'd rate Heike above. Yeah, Adrian. right. Of course. I mean, Kovalainen has won a Grand Prix, hasn't he? So. Yeah, you know he's and by all accounts, you know his his feedback to the team is excellent. You know that's why he's st stuck with Caterham and all Caterham want to stick with him because he can develop their car even in a testing role. Yeah, you're right, man. You're right, and it is an interesting one. Why? Why isn't someone like Force India looking at Hickey? And for all we know, maybe they are. Maybe they are. But <laughs> I haven't I haven't read anything that would suggest that they no. are. No. No. Bit strange. So let's move on from the um, the terribly boring US Grand Prix, um, and maybe have a look ahead at Brazil. One of my personal favourites, I say that quite a lot these days, but it really, really is. Uh, I've always loved Interlagos, ever since. I think the first, when I was first getting into into Formula One, maybe in, I think it was 99, I think Rubens was driving a Stuart Ford, and he had it in like third place or something, and everybody was wetting themselves, thinking Barrichello was going to take this Stuart Ford to the podium, and then it was Barrichello's Brazilian luck, at that track stunk in again and he ended up having to retire and park the car at the side of the race and everybody was gutted. I remember that race uh, really well from when I was just, I would have only been about eight or nine at the time growing up and ever since then I've just always really enjoyed the track. I think it's a good track. I love the first corner. Should be, and, and they always get a chance of rain as well there, so it should be good. Should be good. Yeah, I think the Brazilian Grand Prix that sort of sticks in my mind um, the most is the 2003 Brazilian Grand Prix. They covered that on uh, Sky F1 last night. Just on Twitter, I seen seen the tweet that said they were going to be showing it in full last night, and I didn't get a chance to see any of it. But it is a not not, not a classic in terms of I don't know uh, for the purists, but just it was one of those crazy wet Grand Prix where everybody was falling off at the first corner, weren't they? Putting it in the barriers, so yeah, it was, and then of course it ended with the big shunt, uh, Fernando Alonso's big crash on the last, the last corner. They're the kind of Grand Prix that I love. You don't get enough of them these days. So no. I hope we get one of them this weekend. If the rumours are true that it is going to rain, it'd be great. Yeah. There's nothing funnier than seeing a, an aquaplane in Formula One car just career into a barrier at the first corner with absolutely no hope. Like obviously, as long <laughs> as as long as everybody's. Uh, as well and safe then it's, it's pretty funny I have to say it's it, well, you sometimes get it when one will go off and then immediately another one will go off right beside it like synchronised swimming yes both, they both do the same spin yeah you see them turn into the same corner at the same point and both the back end step out at the same time <laughs> gracefully fly into the uh, into the ground I think that's the only time when a Formula 1 car looks really heavy is when they aquaplane and that's when you suddenly because when they're flying around the track at speed they look like they're made of paper, don't they? They're just so light. But when they start aquaplaning and stuff, they just suddenly look like a good, you know, however many, you know, tonnage of, of metal that they are. A, a, a brick on, on ice skates. The thing in that uh, 2003 one, I think, was, it not, was that not the one Weber ended up sitting on the... On the sidelines, watching on, I think, after he crashed in his Jaguar. I'm sure he did. So I vaguely remember a shot of Mark Webber just think sitting on the sitting on the hill watching the race, looking like he wanted to cry. 
be his uh, his final race this weekend. So hopefully for him, it doesn't end in the same way. Yeah, the other thing I remember about the 2003 was that we didn't get the um, uh, well. It they it was announced one way and then uh, they changed it because they weren't sure which lap they should have taken the results on because they uh, initially they gave it on what was the order on the lap that it was stopped. But I think the FIA regulations say it's the last lap that all of the competitors completed. So that was the previous lap, and Raikkonen had overtaken on the last lap. So I think Raikkonen was originally announced as winning with... Um, was Jordan? Um, Fiskella. Yeah, Fiskella drove the Jordan. Um, and a, um, a second. Uh, and they reversed the result, didn't they? And they reversed it afterwards. But the crazy thing about that entire thing was that Fernando Alonso got third, despite writing his car off into the last corner. Yeah. Because they took the the thingy from the previous lap. So it was before Fernando's accident. So he would still be in third place. Which is just a little bit odd. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> if we can. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we are, uh, I'm anticipating uh, a Sebastian Vettel victory this weekend, just because you have, there's not really any other option. But looking beyond that, hopefully we'd like to see a good race for Felipe Massa and his final, final outing for Ferrari at his home track. It's a track he he loves and he's always gone really well at we'd love to see Felipe stick it on the podium this weekend yeah I think it either Felipe or Weber if one they of them could... has to do something surely <laughs> if, it, if it's just Vettel from Grosjean from Alonso it'll be a little bit yeah 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 it'd be really nice to see, especially Felipe in Brazil it would be really nice to see him Managed to to drag the car to to somewhere on the podium, if not the win. Do you think um, if it's Vettel versus Weber, a few seconds in it on the last lap, you think Sebastian will let Weber win? No, <laughs> not a fucking chance. No, I didn't think so either. Um, <laughs> that's not Red Bull style either. Do you know what I mean? That's a uh, that's kind of something I'd expect from one of the more established teams who could kind of do those kind of things. It almost feels like Red Bull don't get the... Um, don't get how it all works. It's like, yeah. but we turn up and win it. Doesn't that make us great? Like, no. No, it doesn't. Yeah, um, no, I, know, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean, like. So, uh, you know, with the rain, um, and Sebastian hasn't... Um, one in the rain for quite a while now um it could be interesting to see whether you know he'll 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 get the storming start he he's normally accustomed to and uh, and win it as as custom i'm i'm you know uh, i don't want to make it sound like sour grapes but i do hope he doesn't and that we get somebody else in the last race of this season just to you know give us something else to look look forward to in a race 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'll take anybody, to be honest, <laughs> over Sebastian at this moment in time. Pastor Maldonado? Perhaps, except him. <laughs> <laughs> I, have found the, I have found the exception to your rule. He might be the only one. <laughs> just, I just remember, just you saying that, it reminded me of the, po the poll on Planet F1. Should Pastor Maldonado deserve a, a drive in Formula 1 next year? 58% of people on Planet F1 say no. Yay! Except 13% say yes, and 28% say not with a top team. So, make that what you will. 58% of people don't think Maldonado should be an F1 next season, and I am in the 58%. Yeah, I must admit, I think I am as well. Especially when you think of some of the other guys chasing a drive. Oh. He, he definitely doesn't deserve them. Absolutely. So let's, um, we're doing quite well on time, so let's just, let's just round up the few bits and pieces of uh, I hesitate to call it news because it's it's not particularly interesting but things that have popped up in the uh, in the press here and there uh, Charles Peake has come out and said that he doesn't know whether he will be uh, driving for Caterham next year and rightly so he's done nothing that deserves another another chance he's had two years at a back marker and been entirely unremarkable I know it's difficult but you know Bianchi's gotten himself noticed even Guido van der Gaard's kind of gotten himself noticed a little bit, so... Yeah, cater him for me, give up, move on, try something else, roll the dice. Peak's not good enough. Harsh as that may sound. No, not good I, enough. I think that's fair enough. Um, Max Chilton's been out in the press saying that his future won't be decided until December at Mauritius. If I'm honest, I think Max Chilton also isn't good enough. But he has a big checkbook, so he'd probably get another year. I would I wouldn't be at all surprised if he got another year. But if someone comes along with a bigger checkbook, then who knows? <laughs> well, that, we all know that's entirely what it comes down to at that level. And Max's checkbook is pretty good, or should I say his father's, so we uh he'll probably be okay, Max, even though I don't think he's done anything remarkable. Although he has done a he's done a really good uh streak of finishing Grand Prix, is he not? He uh, seems he, to bring the car home. Yeah, he's... Um, is that because he's driving it so slow? That well, <laughs> he's, he's never gets in the way of anybody or, or any of those bits and pieces. Um, he's on for some kind... He's, he's certainly on for the rookie record, isn't he? Almost um, certainly, I would have thought, yeah. Um, in other news, Ross Braun thinks that um, Peter What's-His-Face leaving uh, Red Bull's team... Um, will actually hurt Red Bull's performance going forward. You would um, think so. You'd have to. You'd have to kind of agree with him there because, like, I know he's not the top guy, but he still must be bringing something to the table. Certainly, that McLaren wished to sign him, and it be that Red Bull wanted to have him in there in the first place. He wouldn't have just been sitting there for twiddling his thumbs. So, I'm sure it will be will be a loss to them, and, and good, quite frankly. <laughs> well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you don't know, do you? Sometimes, as good as Adrian Newey um, is, obviously, you do wonder if, you know, left to completely his own devices, if he's not got somebody maybe challenging him or giving him, you know, stuff to bounce off, will he be as good? It, it might not necessarily be as simple as saying, oh, I've got Adrian Newey, who gives a shit? Um, maybe, um, maybe think of it as this. He goes to McLaren, lifts the McLaren performance by, say, 
leaves Red Bull, the Red Bull performance drops by 10%, and then you've got Red Bull, Lotus, McLaren, Mercedes and Ferrari, all quite equal. How good would that be? That would be that would be the best. It would be the best thing for Formula One, absolutely, in the fans. That would be brilliant. Whether it'll work out like that, probably not. But him bringing up McLaren just a fraction and bringing Red Bull down just a fraction—that would be certainly provide some some really entertaining races next season. Poor teams like Force India and Cyber would never get any points. <laughs> absolutely. Um, Sebastian Vettel's coming out and said that um, Mark Webber leaving the team will be a loss. Um, um, there was a, there was quite a nice a nice quote from from Vettel. I'd just say it because I like like to be a bit fair and not just paint Sebastian as the comedy villain. It's um, he's quoted as saying, "I have learned a lot from him, Mark Webber, and I can stand up straight and say that there were many many times, many places where I've benefited benefited from him." Uh, you could obviously say that the same thing the other way around, but as I've said, we've been extremely successful together. So it was it's kind of a nice thing, uh, and I think he means that. You know, I don't think that's just general. Uh, I'm just saying it for you know for the lols to try and do it. I think he you know he's he's okay admitting that you know um, things would have been a lot different without Weber as a teammate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Certainly in the times where he's not had the dominance that he's had this season. You know, the first couple of the first two world titles where Weber was you know right at the front chasing him down for the wins. Imagine, well, if Weber had won that first title that Vettel won, because Weber mm-hmm. was in there for it as well, if Weber had won it, Formula 1 would be such a different place. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It would have been very interesting. Yeah, or, you know, or even if Vettel hadn't won, it hadn't been Vettel when Alonso had won. Um, yeah. And it would have just meant that the next season, things would have been a lot, you know, that was the... That was the real crunch season between the two when they started crashing into one another and what have you. The the team would have been much more even. I don't you know I don't think the team would have been so set up towards Sebastian Vettel, the now one-time world champion. And who knows what kind of treatment might might have gotten from the team in in that situation. So, what else has been uh, been in the news this week? Again, you can uh, square it. Yeah. Alonso rates Hulkenberg as one of the best drivers. After the last few races, you got to agree. He's been outstanding. It's a bit difficult to say anything, isn't it? Uh, Force India won't rush into a decision about their drivers. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> they never seem to do, do they? They always no. do forever. <laughs> um, what the thinking is there, but uh, he was um, he was something. Christian Horner has come out and said that um, it's not for us to make their rivals better and he doesn't feel any remorse for winning all the races and whilst that's that's right and correct he shouldn't feel you know he shouldn't feel remorse for winning um the important thing is is that you can win and keep winning and not alienate the general f1 public it's entirely possible to be a successful team and not, um, not get people, get people's backs up with how you go about it and how you deal with press and all the other bits and pieces. Do you know what I mean? Mhm. Um, yeah, Ferrari have done it. McLaren have done it. They've all had big, long winning streaks where 
you know, other people haven't had to look at chance, but people don't sit there and go, oh, bloody McLaren, oh, bloody Ferrari. But it's taken Red Bull four seasons to to turn themselves into kind of pariahs of the, the F1 paddock, as far as the fans are concerned. You know, they're happy to just go, ah, well, we're winning, fuck what everybody else thinks. Yeah, I can't, I can't uh, agree more. To be honest, no, not got much more to add. You've summed it up, up pretty nicely. Good. I haven't got anything else to say either. (laughs) 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 Sometimes you get that with these shows. You know, you just have to sit there and go, yeah, no, I agree. (laughs) No point me repeating what you just said. (laughs) But um, another thing that I noticed this week was that Fernando Alonso came out and said that he was. uh, Extremely worried that Red Bull were going to continue their dominance again next season, which, you know, given the way they're finished, you can understand why you would think that. Doesn't really um, fill me as a Ferrari fan with optimi- optimism that Fernando is... He, ideally, he'd be coming out and said that their car was going to be a beast or whatever, but... Although he did yeah. say he has good confidence that it would be competitive, but added that it was only a hope. That's not really enough for me, Fernando. <laughs> You're not selling it to me, brother. Uh, he was, um, yeah. That's 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 not the news you want coming out of your, you know, your main driver for next. Well, say he's main driver. Obviously, might not be. Um, that's a good question, actually, isn't it? Who who is top driver in Ferrari next season? Is it the guy that's won them a world championship or the guy that's been with them for the last few seasons? If it was the guy who'd just been with them for the last few seasons but hadn't won a world championship, then it would be Raikkonen. But Alonso's been with them the last few seasons through thick and thin and as a double world champion. But not with them. True, but he has won. For example, if it was, for, if it was Massa or Weber or someone in the Ferrari and where Falonso's been for the last four years. Then Raikkonen coming in, to me, it would be the, the number one. But Fernando's not... But Fernando's... He's, he's, what? The only the only argument I can give you is he's... Fernando Alonso is Fernando Alonso. <laughs> like, that's it. Like, he's... He, I don't think I don't think it's in doubt how good he is. Well, but Kimi Raikkonen's Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, I think they're on par. I think they're... I think... As much as you don't really, I know everybody likes to say, oh, we've got core number ones, and but in reality, often that isn't the case. I think this is the most clear-cut example of core number one drivers we're likely to see, because both guys are just going to do their own thing and have their own camps, and that'll be it. <laughs> like neither driver is going to be particularly bullied into doing anything for the other driver until maybe two or three races to go and the championship's all but over for one of them, but both of them are such strong personalities that... <laughs> can you imagine if they went on the radio, Kimi, Fernando is faster than you, Kimi would just go, so fuck, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> See, and, and Fernando, they wouldn't they wouldn't say that to Fernando either, like, to me, this is the strongest lineup on the grid, driver-wise, and we are going to see uh, co co-number ones and, and little team orders next season in my opinion at Ferrari 
Yeah, I think they'll have to play it like that. There's no way you can keep those those drivers happy. That's it. The both guys, personality-wise, like if Fernando Alonso is treated like a second driver from, um, like I say, maybe with two or three races to go, and Kimi can win the title, and Fernando can't. Fernando will do his bit because, you know, he play he plays the game. But until that, until then, he'll be treated with as much. You know, they'll both be treated equally, and otherwise, if it's not, Fernando will just fuck off at the end of the year, probably. So. To McLaren, apparently. Well, <laughs> or Red Bull. Or Red Bull, yeah. But yeah, they'll, they'll be the they'll be they'll be at the very least they'll be on par. The I think that's I think that's the only way you can play it there. Kind of a little bit like how Lewis and Nico are, but more on par because even though Lewis and Nico have been kind of kind of co-number ones. Always kind of got the feeling that Lewis was just that little bit more. I think the next season will be interesting because I think they kind of had to because they paid the money to bring him in, didn't they? They went, we had Michael Schumacher and we replaced him with Lewis Hamilton, and Nico Rosberg has been there, you know, being the bridesmaid the whole time. But if Lewis doesn't have a strong season compared to Nico next year, if Nico can kind of start the season the way he started this season, and you know, seriously put the, the the kibosh to Lewis, then, well, you know they'll they'll be forced to make that decision, won't they? Really? So, I, I in a way, I kind of hope he does. Um, you know, I, I like Lewis. I like him as a driver, and I quite I quite like generally how he he is. But it would be really nice to see somebody like Nico Rosberg. In a way that it's kind of been nice to see Roman Grosjean bloom into a you know, a potential race-winning driver. Yeah. Just to see somebody else be there and do it, and it's not, you know, um, it's not somebody who's just gifted into a, a great car from the start of their career. I'm, I'm a huge Nico Rosberg fan, I too. I would, I would love to see him. I'd love to see it a bit like, uh, I don't know, like, it's probably never going to happen because in this day and age, Mercedes are never going to win two titles in a row or whatever, but I'd love to see Rosberg and Lewis both somehow manage to win a win a world championship with Mercedes. Yeah. Co-number ones, both fighting for their... A bit like, you know, Hill and Villeneuve in, at Williams, although I suppose Hill left after 96, but... Uh, yeah. They're both good enough to win world titles, and I think both would will be given the opportunity should the car be good enough I don't think kind of like what I was just saying about Ferrari if, and, until one of them can't mathematically win the title I don't think there'll be any major team orders there no whereas whereas it like Red Bull and McLaren there's clearly a number one and a number two like if Button Button if McLaren had a real car this year and Button was going for the win and Perez was in front of him Button would overtake him 99 times out of 100 there. Like, they might make it look like a real pass or whatever, or Perez would come into the pits or something like that just as Button was approaching, but they'd find a way to get the guy they need in front. Yeah. I think you'd, I don't think you'd get that at Mercedes, and I don't think you'll get that next year at Ferrari. Whereas you did get it this year all the time. As soon as Massa was in front of Alonso, somehow Massa was in for a change of tyres 10 laps yeah. he was due to. <laughs> Amazingly. So, uh, I think that probably brings us quite nicely to the end of the podcast. 
Yeah, worth um, going as usual about <laughs> this and the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got Brazil this weekend. Uh, another evening start. It'll be about five o'clock, I think, for us in the UK. Quite like a nice evening Grand Prix. It's a nice wee change. It's better than getting up at six in the morning anyway for bloody Japan. That's true enough. So yeah, we'll get the final race of the season and then, well, that'll be it. <laughs> Off to, oh, we'll need to wait until uh, till whenever pre-season starts. I believe it will be about January or something they'll start doing. <laughs> so I was going to say, it can't be with the number of races they're trying to do. It's not going to be. Not <laughs> the, very long, is it? They're going to literally pack in Brazil and go home and start testing. Madness. But yeah, it's the last Grand Prix, expecting it to be rain. So it should be fun. Let's hope Vettel doesn't win. I've been saying it every week now. Let's hope Vettel doesn't win. Have we done a podcast where Vettel didn't win, by the way? <laughs> I don't think we have. Um, we started at Spa, didn't we? Um, did we do the Hungarian Grand Prix? That was the last race he didn't win, wasn't it? He came back after the break and did the, and, and he's won everything since then. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we'll have to go back and listen to them all and see, see, see which ones we've done and which ones we haven't done. <laughs> Madness. Madness. Well, hopefully, um, if you're listening to this, you've enjoyed listening to me and Sean talk about F1. Um, as we always say, we're just a little two-man amateur podcast, doing it for the love of the sport because that's that's what we like to do. Um, if you like us, we'd be really grateful if you could retweet or post on Facebook any of the links to any of the shows that you like. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and do anything you can to support us. Um, it, it would make a real big difference to us if you know if you can get us out to a, a bigger audience. We're um, you know we we do it for the love, and and if you can show us some love, we'd be really really happy with that. Um, as always, you can catch us on Twitter at Final Lap Podcast. You can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the final lap podcast. Sean has his own Twitter. Yep, at TWO underscore magic. Uh, and I have my own Twitter at man called Megs. Um, if you've got any questions, if you'd like to come on the show or you'd like us to discuss the topic on the show, just let anyone know uh, and we'll, we'll try and get you on or get the topic discussed. Um, uh, and we would absolutely love to hear from you. Yep. Uh, absolutely. Uh, thank. Uh, echo what Andrew's saying there. Thanks for for tuning in, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. See you next week. Bye bye.